Welcome to the Sunbury Press Book Show on the BookSpeak Network. Sunbury Press publishes print, electronic, and audiobooks under a variety of imprints and categories available worldwide wherever books are sold. And now your host, the founder and CEO of Sunbury Press, Lawrence Knorr. Coming at you live from the Christian Baker Farm near Bowling Springs, Pennsylvania, my guest is Merrill Schaefer the author of a couple of really good Pennsylvania football books. Merrill, it's awesome to have you on. Welcome to the Sunbury Press Book Show. Thank you very much, Lawrence. Thank you for having me. So uh, uh, a lot to unpack here, a lot of football history. Uh, it's, it's obvious you're a football fan. So may, let's talk about that first. What, what got you interested in football? When did that all begin? I'm, I'm imagining you as one of those little kids with a jersey and a hat screaming <laughs> way back when. But correct me if I'm wrong. Well, I, to be truthful, um, I started out as a New York Jet fan uh, when I oh, was... Oh, God bless you. <laughs> when I was very young, I, I must have been an odd little kid because I was like kind of one of these weird kind of fans that uh i remember joe namath being on the brady bunch oh and you didn't wear um, the pantyhose like joe though. <laughs> i did not okay. i did not but um i remember joe namath and for whatever reason he you know they the jets won the super bowl in 19 the 1969 season well i was born in 1969 well i thought well that's a perfect reason to like the jets i like joe namath and um so I was, you know, I was probably five or six years old when I kind of put that connection together. So um, I uh, so I liked the Jets and I remember being heartbroken. Um, I, it was, you know, certainly towards the end of uh, Mr. Namath's career with the Jets and they were not quite the team they once were. And I remember sitting in the living room with my father and they were playing the Dolphins and I guaranteed my father the Jets were going to beat the Dolphins and they did not. And I was crying my eyes out. And then this black and gold team from Pittsburgh started winning Super Bowls every year when I was a little kid. So my uh, allegiance sort of changed at that point. And, I, you know, from there, I saw all these, you know, superstars from the Steelers. And that I became a diehard Steeler fan after that. So I originally was a Jets fan, but that that didn't last long. So <laughs> the Steelers kind of caught my eye when I was a little kid there. So that was a that was probably a good team to follow when you were young like that. Yeah. Yeah, well, I know a lot of uh, <clears throat> a lot of people from Jersey who are Jets fans. And they, it's a love-hate relationship, it seems. Uh, very frustrating. Yeah, they've they got to be long-suffering, that's for sure. <laughs> now, with the Jets, though, they have they even been close to a Super Bowl since that year? I don't think so. Uh, I, I, I know they had, they had some decent teams, yeah. I would say, probably in the – you know, early eighties, um, they had the New York sack exchange at one point. Um, and so they, you know, they were some deep, they had some decent teams. I think they may have made it to an AFC championship game. In fact, I think I know Pittsburgh played them pretty deep in the playoffs when Roethlisberger was, was still, you know, still pretty young. So they've had some decent teams, but no, I don't think they've, they've sniffed the Super Bowl since. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. So we'll start actually though, talking about your, Roaring Tigers, the history of Southern Columbia football. Then we'll come back to the Steelers because it's always great to talk about the Steelers. Although I'm an Eagles fan, I'm, uh, when the Eagles aren't doing so well, then I've got the Steelers on. And you know, I also have to reveal that I've been a Tom Brady fan ever since I worked for a 
a company that was based partially in Boston and got up there a lot. And, uh, you know, it was a real, it was a lot of fun to, to, and then I owned him in fantasy football. So yeah, I sort of follow Brady wherever he goes and Brady beats up on the jets uh, quite a bit. Uh, yes. Yeah. And, and yeah, he beats up on everybody at this point. So. <laughs> but yeah, we'll come back to the pros. <clears throat> let's start with the, let's start with roaring tigers. So, um, talk a little bit about how that book came about. I, I know that, and then we'll get into the history of that, um, the amazing history of that team. It's almost unbelievable. But uh, how did you get connected with Southern Columbia football? Well, to be truthful, they, they, the school itself is in Catawissa, Pennsylvania, which is, I'd say, maybe about an hour, hour and a half north of Harrisburg. And I had never really heard of the Tigers. I mean, I, I, as big a football fan as I am, and I think it's funny. I, I think I'm like another, a lot of other football fans in this area for the success that the Tigers have had. Uh, I had never heard of them. And my family and, and a bunch of friends camp every year up at Knobles Grove Amusement Park. Um, they have a, a festival in the fall. So we go up for that every year. And the campground we stay at is maybe a mile or so away from the high school. So we would always drive past this tiny little school and Julian Fleming, who is a wide receiver that played there, who now plays for Ohio state. I believe he once referred to it as this tiny little school between two cornfields. <laughs> and, and to be truthful, that is exactly what it is. Um, we, we, would, we would drive past there and it was funny on Friday nights, all these cars would be pulling in, to this tiny little school for a football game on a Friday night. And it was, it just seemed kind of neat and really interesting that there were so many people that were coming there. So literally a few years ago, I was sitting around a campfire um, in the evening and we could hear the crowd um, cheering, like I said, about a mile away. So I just Googled them on, as I was sitting on my phone around the fire and I I'm like, wait a minute, this can't possibly be that little school. We just drove past at that point, they had already won, I believe, eight or nine state titles. Um, and it was just like, well, how have I never heard of them? And the more I started digging into their history, the more fascinated by this program I was in, in the school itself in general, um, to the point where I, I just could not believe that I had never heard of them. I couldn't believe that their, you know, their story wasn't real well known, especially down here in the Harrisburg area. They have played in 20 state championship games in their history, which is by far more, probably double the amount any other team has ever played in, winning 12 of those games. And for as, as many times as they've played in this area, most of those games have been played at Hershey Park Stadium. I was just amazed that no one in this area had ever heard of them um, for the success that they have had. So I, I just... The, again, the more I started to read about about the team, about the coaches and some of the players that had been there, and then started finding out some of the other things off the field, some of you know some of the history they've had, truly some of the tragedies that they've in, endured. Um, I just felt compelled to to th th this story needed to be told. We have this gem of a program right here in our own backyard, and it was just a shame that it seemed like nobody had really heard of them. And to be honest, I, I think they were almost more known to some degree on a national level um, 
they've been named the small school national champions. Um, it was three years in a row. Um, they didn't win that this past year, but um, 18, 19, or I'm sorry, 2017, 18, and 19. I'm wrong there. 2018, 19, and 20, they were actually named the small school national champions. So they almost seemed uh, more well-known on a national level than they really were in their own home state. Wow. You know, again, especially in, in areas where outside of their area up there, um, unless you've played them maybe in like a, a state a state tournament game or something like that, it's amazing how many people had never heard of them. And I just felt like this is a great story, and I, I really would like to tell it. So this is near Knobles. Um, so how close to like a Danville, Berwick? I mean, play, places for us in relation to a bigger town. So um, the listening. I would say Blo- Bloomsburg is probably the biggest town close to them. Um, there where Bloomsburg University is. Um, they, they, they're fairly close. I mean, um, they, when they play their games, you know, I, when I spoke with uh, Jim Roth, who's the head coach there, he said, you know, it's kind of neat in that area up there. You know, they have the Mount Carmels, the Berwicks, you know, all these teams that have, have had great success over the years at the state level. And they're all within a 20 minute drive of each other. Um, he said, you know, really Williamsport is about their, their longest drive. And I would say that's at most maybe a half an hour away. Yeah. So what, why is that part of Pennsylvania just so good at football at that level? Cause you're right. Berwick, I know is a big school for football for sure. Well, it, it, it's funny. I, I, I've heard, you know, you hear a lot of people say, well, they they got to they got to be doing something. You know, when you have that kind of success, everybody's always looking for a reason why. You know, I, and you always hear, well, they recruit or they're bringing players in. Well, I don't know many people to be truthful outside of that area are going to be moving to a tiny little you know farm community like that per se. I, I do think that there's there's a couple of reasons they've had the same. If you read that the Roaring Tigers book. They have the same family names, generation after generation after generation. So to some degree, it's in the blood there. And I would suspect that that's probably the case. There's other schools, too. They 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 just, you know, they they've breeded, you know, they breeded football in that in that area up there. And, you know, the generation after generation, you see the same family names. So they have some great athletes. But in Southern Columbia's case, I can tell you the continuity of their coaching staff has a lot to do with the success that they've had since Jim Roth had taken over. Um, Jim just completed his 38th season with Mer- the school. Merrill, we got to take and a break. Not- got to take a break. Uh, we'll come back in just a minute and talk all about the coach because I do think sure. he's a big part of it. We're talking to Merrill Schaefer, the author of a couple really great Pennsylvania football books. We'll be right back. Sunbury Press Books offers work by independent authors. Our imprint, Catamount Press, explores literature and creative nonfiction of the Northern Appalachia. The writings of P.J. Piccarello, including the Northern Appalachia Review Series, an annual publication for under-recognized literature. Also check out Dennis LeBaire's Appalachian Gross Dog, a boomer's memoir. Find these and more at sunburypress.com. We're back talking to Merrill Schaefer, the author of Roaring Tigers, the History of Southern Columbia Football. Merrill, we were starting to get into the coach, Coach Roth. Tell us a little bit about him. What makes him extraordinary? 
Well, he I, I can tell you he is the he is the all time leader in victories in high school football history in the state of Pennsylvania. Um, and he's truthfully in the top 10 all time nationally. Um, he has won 471 games um, all with Southern Columbia, which is just amazing to me that that is, you know, he's only ever coached at that school. Um, he started as an assistant back in 1980 with the Tigers and was an assistant for four years there um, and then took over the program. And he has never had a losing season um, in 38 seasons. Um, he, you know, his he runs he runs the Delaware wing T offense, which he had met with. Um, Coach Rocky Reese at Susquehanna University, when I interviewed Coach Roth for the book, he said that was one of the big things. He had, he toyed with the idea of using a wing tee, and um, Coach Reese from Susquehanna University had been fairly successful at the PIAA 2A level with the wing tee. So um, when he started to implement that at um, Southern Columbia, it, it just took off. And, you know, if you if you see – one of their games. It's it's amazing to me just the precision that they run that offense with. Um, they they you know their their linemen are so disciplined. Their their running backs are are just have gaping holes to run through. And the 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 thing with that offense is a lot of times you're not sure who has the ball because just when you think they're running the ball, all of a sudden then they're throwing it because they have a receiver. Also, that is the only receiver in Pennsylvania high school history that had 5,000 yards in his career. Um, so they, you know, they're successful on that side of the ball, but then defensively, they don't give up a lot of points either. So, and the thing of it is, they they have stuck to the same kind of structure, offense, preparation. I mean, it, it just comes down to the coaching staff, and it's funny because. As I said, Coach Roth just completed his 38th season at Southern Columbia, and he's not even the longest tenured coach there. Um, Andy Mills, who's the defensive coordinator, has been there a year longer than Jim has. Um, and I would I would dare to say that I would bet most of their coaching staff averages probably 20 years of coaching experience with Southern Columbia as assistants. So he has he has developed quite the staff. And as I said, he, he certainly has had the horses. I mean, he's had the athletes there um, all throughout his career there. But they have they have really they have such continuity with that coaching staff that I really do think that that makes a huge difference and is a big key to their success. Yeah. Um, now, I would say, you know, he won he won his first state championship in 1994. Um, so. He had been there in 84. They had won um, one or two Eastern Conference championships, which at that point was the highest level that they could go um, before the PIAA instituted the the state tournament that they have now. Um, So he has been very successful. um, But there there was a downtime. They, They got to the, you know, basically got to the promised land there in 1994 and then he made the championship game for several years after that, but they had a string of losses. He lost about four or five state title games in a row. Um, and, you know, it just seemed like he, he said he was so proud of the 94 team that they finally had won a championship. But then 
when they finally made it back and did win another title um, in 2002, he said he was really proud of that because, you know, they had been so close and then they finally broke through and won another one. But then they won five in a row at that point. And they're the only team in Pennsylvania history to win five in a row. Now they've done it twice. Um, mm-hmm. The past five seasons they've won. They've also won five in a row. So they've done they've actually won five, five state championships in a row, two, two different times in his career. Um, so he, he's just an amazing person. I mean, and it's interesting too, because obviously they, 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 you know, they get to the point where they have a lot of teams down and you know, they're, some of their games get to be blowouts quite early in the game and his starters probably play half a game. Um, and then he gets the ninth and 10th graders in there. He's had ninth and 10th graders in state title games when they've had big leads. So that's another thing I think that's interesting. They only have this past season. They only had about 40 kids on the roster, but every one of those kids plays. So it's not one of those situations where you have the same 11 on the field at all times, believe yeah. it or not, most of their players play either offense or defense. And that's unheard of. Most of the time in high school, they have a set offensive team. They have a set defensive team. Um, so that's another issue, too. Their, their, their players are very fresh whenever they make long runs into the playoffs because they're not playing both ways the entire game, every game throughout the season. Merrill? So he, he's really done a terrific job in terms of making sure that every one of those kids feels like they have a part of that championship because they truly do. We're at a point of another break. I just want to say real quick, it, it sounds like he's got a great system and the worry I have is how much longer is he going to coach? And uh, we'll come back and discuss that when we come back from the break. We're talking to Merrill Schaefer, the author of Roaring Tigers. Sunbury Press Books opens the door to Pennsylvania Dutch and German history with our imprint, Distal Fink Press. Find out about the lives of figures in early American history through the Muhlenbergs of Pennsylvania, or Conrad Weiser, Friend of Colonist and Mohawk by Paul A. Wallace, Joseph G. Rosengardens, The German Soldier in the Wars of the United States, or The Indians of Berks County by D.B. Bruner. Check out the wide variety of available works, both fiction and nonfiction, at sunburypress.com. We're back talking to Merrill Schaefer, the author of Roaring Tigers, the history of Southern Columbia football. Merrill, you know, this coach, he's had a great history. He sounds like the Joe Paterno or Bear Bryant of uh, high school football. But like all great coaching stories, eventually they have to come to an end. The coach retires and uh, moves on. So where are we at with Coach Roth? How How much does he have left in the tank? It's interesting. He was the athletic director at the school for many years as well. And he recently retired um, from the school and, and is no longer the athletic director. And I said to him, uh, you know, how 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 has that transition been? And I think I think he's enjoying the opportunity of just coaching his own, you know, his own team. Obviously, being the athletic director, you're dealing with all the other programs as well. But I think he has a lot in the tank yet. To be truthful, when you talk to him, he has not lost any of the enthusiasm um, for coaching. And I've, I've talked to people in the community up there, and most of them think they don't see him him retiring anytime in the near future. And I, I would shudder to say I wouldn't know who would want to take over for for Coach Roth once yeah. he take once he decides he's 
he's finished there because you have some big shoes to fill. But um, I get the impression he may still be there a while. So mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm hoping that's the case because that is he's going to leave quite a legacy there. Well, it's a fantastic book uh, about high school football. And I know we've we've kind of touched on the, you know, the victories, the championships, the coach. But I, I know your book is all about the teams year to year and the players, lots of pictures. It's a lot of fun. And the, the fan base up there responded to it incredibly. So uh, we're thrilled to have that and very happy that um, we did that book together. But the other book I wanted to mention before we run out of time, so we have about seven, eight minutes left, uh, is your Super Steelers journey that it just sounds like the fans' ultimate uh, ultimate book. Uh, maybe give us a minute or two on how you came about the idea and a little bit about this helmet of yours. As I said, um, I, I've been a huge Steelers fan for a long time. And, you know, the Steelers of the 70s will always hold a special place for me. And um, at one point I had purchased, a, and this started back in 1994, I'd purchased the Steelers helmet. And Jack Ham, the Hall of Fame linebacker for Penn State, was making an appearance at a local mall to sign some autographs. So my wife and I decided, why don't we take the helmet over and we'll have Jack Ham sign it? And we had such a wonderful time with that. Um, and I don't know how we made ever made the decision, but we decided to find out how many of the players were on all four of their championship teams back in the 70s. Um, and at that point, we, you know, we didn't have the Internet or anything like that. So I simply wrote to the Steelers, asked them, hey, how many of your players were on all four of those teams? And they sent me it was kind of neat. And I still have them. They sent me the rosters from the, the four tight you know, championship teams that they had. And I one by one was able to meet them, um, whether it was at a charity event or, you know, what, however, you know, there's there's some interesting stories in that book, but one by one, there were 22 players that were on all four of the Steelers 70s Super Bowl teams. And so I was able and fortunate enough to have all 22 of those players sign the helmet plus head coach Chuck Knoll. So there's 23 signatures on it. And there were so many interesting and funny and, you know, uh, just just incredible stories about how that came about. And it was, I don't know, maybe the 12th person that finally said to me, you know, you really ought to write a book about that. So I I went back and just started jotting down some notes. And it was interesting how I, I, I actually did remember most of these stories. And, you know, when I reached out to Sunbury Press, uh, Sunbury Press was very interested, it seemed, in, in publishing that. So when I finished it, 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 I was really pleased with the way it turned out. And um, I, yeah, it, it just, it, it, it was, it's a nice kind of keepsake for me um, just to, to have those stories and share them. And I, I did some biographies on each of the players from their playing careers. And then each of the players is a chapter. And at the end of that chapter is my interaction with them. Um, so I, I really enjoyed writing that book. It was a lot of fun um, going back and remembering, you know, some of the some of my interactions with all of my my heroes um, from those days. And it was just a terrific project to work on. Well, I have to ask you about TB12. And I'm not talking about my Tom Brady 12. I'm talking right. about the first TB12, the original TB12. Mr. Bradshaw. Uh, it, it's funny. Did you? Mr. How Bradshaw, did you meet? How did you meet Terry? And uh, what was that like? Because I understand he's got quite a sense of humor. 
I have met Terry Bradshaw on a, a couple of occasions. However, when I had the helmet signed, that was not one of them. Actually, that's one of the more interesting stories in that book. My mother lived about a mile or two, or I'm sorry, her best friend lived about a mile or two from Terry's ranch down in Dallas. And that's where, believe it or not, Terry was living in Dallas after his, uh, after his playing career. So she was visiting her friend there and was, at that point, we maybe had, you know, five or six signatures on it. And she, she swore up and down she'd be able to get Terry Bradshaw if I allowed her to take this helmet down to Texas that she could get Terry Bradshaw to sign it. And I'm just like, sure, mom, sure. So finally, you know, after her pestering, I finally said, you know what, you take it down here and get Terry Bradshaw to sign it. So the first thing she did was she wrote a letter to him on on her friend's computer since she got there. And he lived on the, the border between Roanoke and I think it was Keller, Texas, but they weren't sure where, where, which town he lived in. So they wrote out an envelope in black ink and took it to the, the post office and asked the clerk at the post office, which which town does he live in? So in blue ink, I, I believe it was Roanoke, they wrote Roanoke, Texas in there and sent this letter. So while she was down there, about two or three days later, they got a phone call from Terry Bradshaw's secretary. <laughs> and um, she said that she normally didn't open his personal mail, but the two different colors of ink on on the the envelope was what caused her to open it. She read the letter, contacted Terry. They called. He's going to be at the office. Bring the helmet in, and he'll sign it. And that's the way that's the way that ended up working out. So I actually met Terry Bradshaw after he had signed it, and uh, you know, got a chance to thank him for that. But that was that's one of the more interesting stories in the book. Meryl, how how many more is your mother responsible for? (laughs) Is that the (laughs) only one? That's the only one, but the the helmet itself has traveled all across the country because the last one, my cousin actually took it. There's a backup linebacker named Lauren Taves that, um, you know, probably most people don't remember, but he was on, it took me 17 years to finally get him. He was the last one and he lives in San Jose, California. My cousin was on a vacation out there. We contacted his wife. His wife made arrangements. That wound up that wound up and actually the the Associated Press picked up that story. Um, I, I got interviewed by a Pittsburgh newspaper and a television station out there. And that was in every paper in the country. It seemed like it was so funny. The Miami, the baseball all-star game was in Miami that year. And the Miami Herald on the front page of their sports page had a picture of the all-star game and then my helmet right underneath it that year. <laughs> Boy, that shows you just how popular football is, huh? During the baseball it's, all-star game. Absolutely. Wow. So th- that's awesome. I don't know how many other books there are about football helmets like this. So it's, uh, you know, sports memorabilia certainly gets covered maybe as a category or like rare baseball cards, that kind of thing. But a fan going around and getting signatures on a special helmet I thought was uh, a great idea for a book. And uh, it sounds like it was a real odyssey for you as a as a fan as well um so just have to ask you um any plans for uh something next another football book another baseball book anything you're thinking about anything i can encourage you to do i know we did talk about eventually updating the southern columbia book once they win a few more championships but uh just putting it out there to see if you have any ideas here before we wrap up if I if I do another one, it, it, it would probably be a sports related book. I haven't I haven't had time at this point to sit down after that. I'm still I've actually had quite a few functions, book signings and things 
and and some interviews with the Roaring Tigers book. So I feel like I'm still kind of in in the midst of that book. Um, I would imagine I, I I have the writing itch, so I'm sure I'm gonna I'll, I'll be coming up with something else. And yes, even the Roaring Tigers book at this point is outdated because it was published in the fall last year. Well, they won another state championship in December, so I, I think we're right. We're gonna have to do maybe a couple updated volumes of it. Yeah. Keep him coaching, and we'll keep pumping out the books like every two, three years, second edition, right. third edition, fourth edition. Right. Yeah, keep updating. And, the, and the, the community up there, I think, would love that because I had one of the players that was on this title, this championship team. He was a pretty good player as a freshman. His father was on, is in the book, and he said, boy, if he had just waited another year, I could have been in there with you, Dad. <laughs> so I, I feel like we almost owe it to Dominic Federoff to uh, – to get his name in the book as well. So <laughs> so I'll give you an idea. Great high school football players of Pennsylvania. Maybe a couple dozen, a little bit about their high school careers. Maybe these weren't all guys that went on to great college careers or great pro careers, but something to think about. We can discuss. I'm just, I'm just, there just you brain, go. Cause in the just beginning of Roaring Tigers, I actually list every Hall of Fame player that played their high school careers in Pennsylvania. So that could ah. be an interesting uh, that could be an interesting book because there's quite a few of them actually. I guarantee you, it's an interesting book. <laughs> interesting to the publisher, Merrill. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but you know, I know you're busy, and uh, you know, if you get the time. So absolutely. Uh, all right. Well, I guess we're out of time. We've been talking to Merrill Schaefer, the author of Roaring Tigers, the history of Southern Columbia football. Also a super Steelers journey, the 23 year quest to honor Pittsburgh's dynasty legends. Merrill, great talking to you. Thank you, Lawrence. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. All right, We'll have you back when you do that football hall of fame book. <laughs> all right. You bet. Okay. Thank you for listening to the Sunbury Press Book Show on the BookSpeak Network. Check out our website at www.sunburypress.com for our latest releases. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter to receive special offers and discounts.